0: What's going on, Fantasy Alarm family? My name is Justin Fetsterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam. This is the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com, getting you ready for yet another week of fantasy football action. After a crazy bye week, we're already starting off week eight with some players that are impactful, big time, that are going to be out, including Devontae Adams, a sticky situation indeed,
1: Cells, Hallam, what's going on, guys? How you doing, Cells? Are you hanging in there? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's been a little gloomy week here in Lincoln. It's rained like three out of the four days so far this week. It didn't rain for like three weeks before that. So, I mean, we need the rain, but I don't need it all at once. Kind of kills any outside stuff I'm trying to do this fall with the lawn and all that good stuff. But... I survived by McEwen. I got a win last week, even with Tyler Lockett doing absolutely nothing on Monday Night Football. Um, I didn't need him. I was ahead heading in there, so I'm doing pretty
0: good from a fantasy sense. Yeah, especially how, you know, of course, with Geno Smith there, that's why I put Tyler Lockett in stock down on the stock watch on FantasyAlarm.com last week, just worried about that situation as a whole and worried about his ceiling in general, my man. But another player that I'm going to ask you about is someone that has been a big-time miss because I'm trying to decide. I always do these, especially on the radio, these stash or dash type of segments, players that you can potentially drop I haven't done it at this point, man, but, like, is there any hope for Brandon Ayuk? Should I just put him back out to the wire? I know it's it depends who's out there, but just in general, do you see anything percolating in the future for him, Ryan?
2: I, I, you know, we've talked about him a lot, whether it was on, you know, Alarm After Hours or here, and I've tried to remain as positive as I can, but last week was really – uh, pretty much the end of it I know it was a monsoon but uh, you know it's still just not a part of the offense whatsoever um, you know every time you think he oh well he's got three targets this week last week it's four it's, just, it's gonna start ch-. but it's week eight and it hasn't changed like how long are we supposed to wait for uh, if it happens at this point uh, you know you just want to, you just kind of throw your hands up so if there's someone no, you know that's uh, the hot pickup or, or or someone that you know who who might be trending in the right direction, I can't fault you anymore for for letting go of them.
0: Yeah, it's just a very sucky situation as we're starting to think about who is the bust of the year. I mean, the three players immediately that come to mind, because as I've told you guys, I don't count players that are injured for the majority of the season and out. Right, you can't. I don't count them. For you that. can't. You can't. It has to be on the field performance. So the three players that come to mind for bust of the year are Allen Robinson, Miles Sanders, and Brandon Ayuk. Any, anybody else that fits the bill for LVP at this point? Robert Tanyan? Yeah, but he was drafted later
1: on and stuff like that, you know. I don't know, man. People were super high on that tight end coming off. Oh, and
0: they're going to be again. I mean, come on. No Devontae Adams now. Alan Lazard right now kind of in the gray area. I mean, going into this game against the Cardinals here Thursday night. Robert Tunyon, just another player that people are going to be looking at coming off of a big game.
2: Well, I think he's definitely a a showdown slate DFS option. You know, Marcus Valdez-Gambling is supposed to come back tomorrow and play. Uh, since it's Wednesday right now. Um, so I, I do think Tanya's actually a pretty good Df- DFS play this week. And, and if you're one of those who's, who's streaming tight ends, and for some reason he's out there, I don't know. I know he's not having a great season, but Alan Robinson to me is a number one bust of the year. I don't even really know that it's close. Uh, I know. Well, I guess hey, Ayuk well, has nine, nine in, catches.
1: <laughs> he was drafted higher than I he was drafted to be a wide receiver one for you because in the past it hasn't mattered who he's had at quarterback. He's always produced top end numbers. So yeah, I'd probably. I never have faith in Miles Sanders, so it's hard for me to consider him a bust if I just didn't like the guy. So for me, it'd probably be I'm with you, Hallam. It'd be Allen Robinson. It's just it's a it's just bad,
0: and that's why at some point you got to pivot. And yes, we're not saying just drop these players just to drop them. Someone meaningful is on the wire that you need. And this is something, guys, that we've spoken about in the last few weeks on this show. And that's if you're under 500 at this point, you're playing for the week. You're not thinking three, four weeks down the road. I know there's still plenty of season, but if you're already way behind the eight ball, you got to make moves and you got to not take as many risks and just close your eyes and think this could be the week that Allen Robinson will go. This team just does not throw. That's the bottom line. They don't. And they've had success on the ground as well. And they have success even throwing to their running backs too. So I just think at this point, when it comes to Robinson, when it comes to Mooney, start at your own risk.
2: Yeah, at this point, I have more faith in Mooney than I do in Robinson. Uh, I'm sure that'll come out in my article tomorrow. Um, but it's it's just really bad. You know, last week, two catches for 16 yards. Okay, it's Jamel Dean and the, the Bucks. So, you know, that's going to be a tough matchup. But he is, hasn't had 10 fantasy points in a PPR league since, oh, God. He's had it once, week two, against the Bengals. And that was two catches of 24 yards, and he just had a touchdown. So he only just got 10 there. I mean, it's it's been terrible. Ayuk has nine catches on the season, so it's debatable. But like, like Matt said, Allen Robinson was drafted higher. So uh, this debacle is probably worse. I don't know that I would drop him – uh, just because maybe, you know, the, uh, something happens where this turns around a little bit. Um, but Jesus, he, he's been really bad.
1: Is, is I, I'm going to pose this question to you guys: Is Kyle Shanahan the next Chip Kelly, <laughs> a guy who no. is so overly confident that his system's going to work, and so egotistical in what he's doing that he's willing to ruin a team just to keep his system in place? I don't it's think it, it's, fear that no, whatever I, he's doing isn't working it's well, just not working
2: every every running back in the world has been injured uh you know Kittle's been out it's been the defense has been the bigger problem than the offense like they can't stop anybody because their cornerbacks aren't any good so you know I know grapple hasn't played great uh but you know they were in that game against the Colts until the end when when they put the dagger uh you know they 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 lost a lot of close games this year so I don't know that it's Shanahan is quite the reason that they're they're where they are. Uh, I, I don't like what he's doing with Ayuk. I I will agree with you. He is very set in his ways and, and wants to get what he will. Uh, but he was in the Super Bowl. I mean, Chip Kelly was a complete bust in the NFL because he also coached my team. Uh, so, no, I think we're a ways away from that kind of.
0: You guys want to hear something funny? So we've been talking about the Niners and the Bears, and they're playing each other. The mm. spread that I'm seeing on this 12. game
1: 39 and a half. <laughs> the over under, yeah. It's also is Matt Nagy the reason that Eric Bieniemy isn't getting jobs because I'm pretty sure at this point it is <laughs> because everybody's like, ooh, we hired a Chiefs offensive coordinator because he was spectacular and now he's ruined the Bears' offense. What happens if you give Eric Bieniemy a head coaching job? Is he gonna ruin that team's offense too? Because uh, I mean, let's look at every coordinator that came off the Patriots during their dynasty. There were
2: not a lot of, of success them stories there. <laughs> yeah, so it's possibly, you know, Maybe Andy Reid is just you know pressing all the right buttons, and none of these you know, all these guys are riding the coattails. I guess we'll figure that out eventually.
0: I, I want to bring something to the table that John and Pemba and I talked about on SiriusXM on Alarm After Hours last night, and it was let's say you're in last place. And you have Christian McCaffrey on the team. No Hubbard, just McCaffrey. And at this point, you, you need a win. We don't know what the future holds for this guy. So my question to you is, let's say you were offered by one of the contending teams a package of Leonard Fournette and Christian Kirk for Christian McCaffrey. And you're the last place team that would be giving up McCaffrey. Would you consider doing that?
2: I mean, do I,
0: have a, do I have a do I have a realistic chance of catching the last playoff spot? I mean, you you might. I can't tell you because this was brought to our table the trade, and I don't know if this team was just like oh for life or maybe with one or two right. wins. But let's say for argument's sake, they have one or two wins. Because I'm in I'm in
2: less than a league, and I've just decided that I'm not going to make. I mean, I can't. I would have to run the table and get a lot of help to to make the playoffs. So, like, I'm just not going to do anything. So, I don't want to. I'm big on not ruining the integrity of the league to try to help myself if I you know really don't have a real chance. Um, so, it's close. Fournette is certainly the uh, the back there. Put he's put Ronald Jones well in the in the rearview mirror. And like Matt said, Kirk hasn't been great. Uh, I don't know that the Cardinals can quite keep this going the entire season, but, uh, I mean, if you're if you're really desperate and really have a, an actual chance, then
1: I guess it could be worse. So, Ryan, you brought up a good point about making a trade just to make a trade just to try to help yourself and then possibly screw up the integrity of a playoff race. Um, it's iffy for me because m- – The other side of that argument is, well, if they're willing to trade for an injured guy, they'd probably be willing to try to upgrade with a guy that's not as risky, um, you know, injury-wise. So I don't know if my move is changing the playoff race, but in that situation, I would want more than Christian Kirk to go with Leonard Fournette. Fournette has been very good, yes, for sure. And last week, I think he got, or against the Eagles, he got like eight red zone touches, which was more than Brady even threw for inside the red zone. But Kirk is just so hit and miss that uh, he's just an add-on to try to get the the quote-unquote value there. I I probably wouldn't make that trade, but it's more so because I don't want Christian Kirk. Then I want to change the playoff picture in the league. Yeah, yeah I, was, I guess
2: I would want two starters, two guys that I know I'm going to put in my lineup every week. And I don't know that Christian Kirk is. And, the, and the Pepe was
0: guy. back at going back and forth with me because, you know, he was like, well, I, you don't have that luxury. You have zero leverage whatsoever. You're in last place. At some point, you, you just got to get the points. And I understand that. But I told him, I don't think the casual fantasy player, even if they were in last place, because they can't forget if a Christian McCaffrey's name value and B. where they drafted him they're not going to get out of their head that they feel like they're completely underselling on the guy, even though they could be walking right to the end of their season. By the way, Ryan, I, I disagree with you on another point, not the one sales was saying. You're not ruining the integrity of the league. You're trying to come back. You're trying to win. You never give up, man. I mean, it's uh, one thing if you're mathematically out of it and you absolutely can come back. I've I've gone 7-0 and after going 0-7. I've done it. One time, I didn't make the playoffs. I lost by point differential. But even a stupid idiot like me can do it. You can do it. You know your stuff. You never give up. I mean, you can sure.
2: I I, I don't know. I, I, you just, when you put a guy like McCaffrey in play, who you know, of course, isn't doing what we hoped, to, mostly because of injury. Uh, that really. I mean, if you have a guy who's in first place, probably already has a pretty good team, uh, and if you throw McCaffrey in the mix. Uh, you know that that really could shift the balance. Uh, that's a, I always you know if you trade in keeper leagues, you know at the deadline if you're not really in it, uh, you know but you're trading for keepers. I think that's uh, that's another thing. Like I don't know. I, I do think about just potentially handing someone a championship because of something I did.
1: Yeah, and well, I'm, t- I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. but you don't know. You don't know that giving him Christian McCaffrey or giving them, I should say, Christian McCaffrey. Hands them a title, right? No, I know. No. We don't know if McCaffrey comes back healthy because remember last year he came back and played like a half a football and then went back out. This same injury, first said they were going to keep him out for two weeks, then they put him on IR to get him another three weeks of um, rest. And Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, has a later bye week this year. Yes, right? they do. They don't have a. They haven't had their bye week yet, and it's not for at least a couple of weeks. I think Um, they've sucked lately, right? So there's another thing that even if he comes back, there's another off week yet for him to contend with later in the season. So just because name value wise, you're giving somebody Christian McCaffrey. If it's a fair enough deal, the league shouldn't necessarily have a problem with it. I know that there are plenty of people that will veto simply because the last place team made a trade with somebody in a playoff picture, Mm -hmm. which is stupid. Um, But back to your point about keepers, because this happens in, in, in fantasy football, too. Actual NFL and MLB teams make trades at the deadline to get guys they can keep while giving up the talent for this year. My own team, the Nationals, did it all over the place, this trade deadline. They gave up everybody that they had signed this year or anybody that was worth anything to get a bunch of carryovers or, you know, prospects, whatever you want to call it. So if we're in keeper leagues and you're supposed to be imitating the way that MLB and NFL teams operate, I have no problem with you shedding people who aren't doing you any good so that you can then compete for a longer window. Because in all honesty, the person you're trading with is closing their long-term window and trying to win now, which is what happens across sports all the time. So I don't have a problem with either of those scenarios. Let me bring
0: up an annoying topic that hopefully after this episode of Family Times, we don't have to talk about this for the rest of the season. This whole Deshaun Watson will be traded Will he be put on the exempt list? Yes. No. Who's going to trade him? Miami's got a deal in place. Oh, here come the Panthers. Here come the Panthers. Sam Darnold's fall from grace early in the season. And now Panthers rumored in there. Guys, we got the trade deadline looming. And I'm sick of this story. Let me ask you both. And I'll start with you, cells Here, I mean, do you think, because I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Do you think Watson gets traded? I mean, if the deal hasn't been done yet, what's going to change in the next five days or six days to make a deal happen, right? Goodell has already stated he's not going to be put on the exempt list because the league office doesn't feel they have enough information to make that decision at the moment, although I. Don't know what you've been waiting for. Um, I mean, you (laughs) had the Ray Rice information within forty-five minutes of that incident, and it's been months of this and court cases and depositions and signed affidavits. How do you not have the information, right? So I get that the team that's trying to trade for him is. Hesitant to pull the trigger because they have a feeling that as soon as they pull the trigger, the guy is going to be useless, and then you will have given up active players to get a guy who's not going to do anything. Right? That being said, I can't imagine that Houston eats that contract the rest of the season. Like, you have a very good trade ship, legal issues aside, because again, we don't know what's going to happen with the legal issues. Very well could end this guy's career. It very well could be a bump in the road. We don't know what's going to happen with him, right? I can't imagine that Houston would simply eat the contract to not get a lot of pieces to help them rebuild that dumpster fire of a roster. Hallem split the difference here
0: because I'm just not feeling it. sells though, seems to be on me. They're going to trade him. What about well, you, Halem? I, I, you know, I honestly don't know, and I'm, I'm very fascinated to see what
2: happens. Uh, if you follow Drew Davenport, who is a lawyer uh, on Twitter at Drew FBG Auctions, he's gone through this like every week as, as as things change. He puts out this giant thread of information, so it's more like, uh, cr- more like complaints. Like you know, there hasn't really been charges filed against him. Uh, so I, I, I thought all along he's going to play. Uh, I was still surprised that uh, in Houston has sat him for as long as they did, so I was wrong there. My only question is, obviously, Miami. I mean, Carolina has kind of said they're they're backed out, uh, so it would be Miami. And Tua has actually played pretty well the last two weeks, and this yeah. guy hasn't played through week eight. So, like, are you going to trade for him now and then put him in? Uh, I, I mean, I guess they did it to to Ryan Fitzpatrick last year, uh, but. I don't you know. Is he just going to be ready to play? Has he been like keeping himself, you know, is he practicing? Is he set? Like, I, I don't feel like in the middle of the season is, is just a good time to throw this guy in on a new team. So, uh, you know, I was a, you know, use him as a lottery ticket at a, at your end of your draft guy back in August, but I don't know. I, I don't know that he would make any real positive impact
0: in, in the second half of the season. Like I said, Hopefully by this time next week, we're not talking about this anymore. Or we could be talking about the entire new complexion of a team right there when it comes to who can benefit from a Deshaun Watson, where he goes. I want to hit on the Monday Night Football a little bit, guys, because the Monday Night Football game coming up for Week 8, Giants versus Chiefs. Very interesting here because we're in bye weeks. The Giants have had injuries, but the Chiefs defense is just absolutely horrible. Now this is a Monday Night game. And Patrick Mahomes got banged up in week seven. So, I mean, with that, do you guys think that the Giants offense, and especially someone like, I don't know, someone like a Daniel Jones, do you think that there's some intrigue if you need some bye week fillers anywhere, Being even though I know it's Monday night, I know it's very risky because the Giants have had health issues up and down their offense all year long, but – are you guys at least intrigued by Giants' options going up against the Chiefs on Monday night?
1: The Chiefs can't I mean, stop anybody. Like, they literally can't stop a single person. You you could put the three of us out there against the Chiefs' defense and we put up 17 points, and <laughs> neither one of us can kick anything. I think it's the Giants cover,
0: total, by the way, I'm seeing. I think the Giants cover
1: that spread. It's I really possible. do.
0: Kansas City never co- never
1: covers when they're facing. Kansas City never covers. They've been yeah. terrible against the spread this year. And they just don't... It looks like that Ravens game hit them in the mouth and they haven't recovered. Yep. It looks like there's a, there's a book out on how to beat the Chiefs and they have not adjusted. That book is if you can double Tyreek Hill, you can beat the Chiefs. Because Travis Kelsey isn't going to beat you and they have no running game. So, I mean... We saw the Giants, we've seen the Giants play pretty decently over the last few weeks, aside from the Rams game, but the Rams are in a different stratosphere from the Chiefs right now. Um, I think the Giants can cover, I think it's an intriguing game.
0: Let me ask you guys this then, for those that need a spot start quarterback, better spot start quarterback, Daniel Jones or Carson Wentz?
2: I don't know off the top of my head who the Colts are playing. Uh, they're playing. The Colts Tennessee. are playing the Titans. Yes. <laughs> I I got, have, I, I'm a terrible host. I should have. <laughs> said I should know it off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I like Jones, and I agree with Matt. I think they're going to be able to move the ball and do some things. But Wentz is real hot right now. and Tennessee's uh, secondary is pretty trashy, so I would go with Wentz, but it's close.
1: Although Tennessee's secondary just shut out the Chiefs for. I mean, they kept them out of the end zone for an entire game. They did. And they're the Chiefs no, still no. have better weapons than the Giants. <laughs>
0: it's true. It is very uh, true. Yeah. Let's go over to the family table, guys. We all bring something every single week. You never know what you're going to get, big box of chocolates or something else there. So what is Ryan Hallam bringing to the family table this week? Oh, a
2: couple weeks ago, I think I mentioned that I bought a gazebo to put up in my yard. The good news is it's actually having some progress. Uh, I'm getting to the point where I have to stand it up, but my helper is four foot 10 and, and <laughs> doesn't really barely weigh anything. So I'm looking for male help in the upstate New York area to finish this thing off, but i um, pretty proud of did myself. Did he just like, do so... a
1: verbal Craigslist ad? Is that what you yes, said?
2: Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm, I'm about the least handy person in
0: America. So to even have gotten like through step five, I'm pretty happy with myself right now. Wow. The gazebo. It's like a, you're getting like another thing every week, Halum, at this point. I got to start riding your coattails with DFS, by the way. I guess. <laughs> what about I don't you, know Seth?
1: What are you bringing to the table? Oh, there are so many things to talk about. Oh. But I'm going to talk about how awesome Charlie Morton was last night in game one of the World Series. Um, now, if you just look at the box score, you're like, why are you going to talk about how awesome Charlie Morton was? He only went like three plus innings, didn't even get an out in the third inning. You want to know why? He broke his frickin' shin in the first inning. He got hit by a comebacker, broke his right fibula, which, by the way, for a righty, is his drive leg. And on one leg, retired the next five Astros hitters, two of which were strikeouts, and his last two pitches were 96-mile-an-hour fastballs. Man pitched in a World Series game on one leg and still held... The Astros hit list for more than an inning. That's pretty awesome. That's. You want to talk about toughness? I don't think a lot of people would go back out there after getting hit by the pitch in the first place. Not only did he get hit by the pitch, he then went and sat for a half an inning, came back out, pitched 10 pitches in the second inning, perfect second inning, sat for another half inning, and then went back out there again. Until the leg finally landed a little wonky on a landing. And he said, okay, can't do it. That guy's awesome. It's up there with Tiger Woods winning a U.S. Open on one leg. Just Adrenaline is a hell
2: of a drug. Adrenaline is a hell of a drug. It really is. It oh, yeah. absolutely
1: is. I mean, Also, revenge game narrative, too. Because it was Charlie <laughs> Morton against the Astros. <laughs> revenge.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm going to give a little bit of credit to the cells and the tech team here. Because y'all know I love my basketball very, very much. And when you talk DFS NBA and you try to figure out who do you should be putting in the lineup, besides going to DFSAlarm.com here, you should be looking at pace of play because that's going to determine, especially for those slow ass teams, whether or not their ceiling's going to be raised where they can get more back and forth and even more possessions. Now, that brings me to our NBA matchup tool that we have right now if you go to dfsalarm.com/nba/pace you'll get everything from offensive to defensive rankings to pace itself you get a last 10 last 5 there when we get more games accumulating so this is just something else that when setting your lineups and you want to see the numbers broken down for basketball, because right now things are still being very much determined. But you'll see with pace, often the teams that are, have the quickest pace are some of the worst defensive teams out there. Last year, it was the Washington Wizards. Now, I'm sure a lot of you going into this year were like, ha ha, I'm going to pick on the Wizards. But the Wizards have slowed their game down a little bit. That's where this tool will help you out. Yes, things can change. We're only, what, three, four games into the season. But at the same time, this tool is here. I love it very much. I'm using it as a freaking crutch when I come up with the starting five videos and these DFS lineups. I love it very much. And sells. Thank you so much for all your hard work on this. And how you're involved in a lot of different things in Fantasy Alarm. So if I'm forgetting to thank you in this process, you get some credit as
1: well. All right, well, I had nothing to
2: do with this, so it's all that
1: No more <laughs> credit for you. Sells excellent work. Thank you very much. I also will uh, go ahead and give you a peek behind the uh, the sheet here. Ooh. We are producing <laughs> another tool, uh, the NBA Consistency Report, that is getting a complete facelift.
0: Dang.
1: Um, so you will be able to see by percentage how many games a player has scored either within a certain points range or produced X amount of value based on that day's salary to this point. Wow. So, for example, LeBron has scored a third of his games have been in the 30-point range, a third have been in the 40-point range, and a third have been in the 60-point range based on DK scoring, right? yeah, he's missed, like, two games now, so... Yeah, he's also going to miss Wednesday night's game, too. Uh, However based on Wednesday's scoring at 95 or salary at $9500 on DK, he's only produced 4x value he's produced 4x value twice and only above 5x value once. So that will illustrate just where the scoring breaks down for everybody and you can see who's consistent and who's volatile. Love so that. that should help as well. Yes, volatility by the way
0: vol- when it comes to players, that will impact investment or as i say ownership percentage as well normally i say investorship, but that when it comes to the percentages the volatility that will impact how much of an exposure you'll have for a player especially in those gpps that you're going to want to hit on those values you'll want to go contrarian as well so again this nba matchup tool and the, the soon enough consistency tool we're trying to make you guys into better DFS players. And when you have all the numbers in front of you, then you can figure out the lineups for yourself. It Pace is a wonderful thing. We get to determine which of these teams are going to get a lot of points scored on them from pace. And you got to move quickly. Whereas if you have two teams that are sitting there in the bottom six in pace, it's going to move slow as molasses. And you're going to have like a stupid 84 to 80 win. And no one's going to want that. That's not how we win DFS unless someone gets eight blocks. And you never really see that unless it's Miles Turner once in a blue moon. So that is something that I'm really, really pumped for. And it's something that I've been using. And again, for those of you that want to take advantage, dfsalarm.com slash NBA slash pace for Ryan Hallam, Matt Sells, I'm Justin Fensterman. Hopefully no Deshaun Watson talk next week and we can finally move forward with our lives or maybe he'll be the top of the charts when it comes to the news and impact for week nine and be on family times. Make sure you check out all the content, fantasyalarm.com, dfsalarm.com, wageralarm.com, and get ready to win when you go into the site because that's what we're going to do. We're going to help you win as one, like a family, because that's what families do. We stick together. We win together. Good luck.